0: Two
1: Tonight, You may have a seat. I'm so glad that you are here and welcome to those who are worshiping with us online as well. And if you are new tonight, thank you for being here. Thank you for worshiping with us tonight. And we've got some ways up on the screen here that we can connect with you and we look forward to knowing you. I'm Laura. I am blessed to be a part of the elementary team here at Mosaic. Yeah, do I, I think I see some of my elementary kids out there. Can y'all give me a big wave? There you are. Hi, guys. All right, hopefully as you came in tonight, you grabbed an activity bag. Did you grab an activity bag? Hold it up for me if you've got one. Ah, oh, I see a couple of them out there. Okay. Parents, those are such a great thing for our little ones during service time. But I want to call your attention to something in that bag that is awesome for our elementary age kids and above. It is our teaching notes. So y'all can pull those out of your bags, elementary kids, and you can follow along during the service. With the teach, you can just kinda write down the things that God speaks to your heart. Maybe there's a song that we sing that means a lot to you, or the scripture passage that Mr. Matt's gonna teach on tonight, you could write that down. Or if you have a question that you wanna ask your mom and dad about later, this is a great way To keep track as you're going through the teach. So I hope you will use it. We also, for those of you worshiping at home with kiddos, this is available online. We have an at-home version of this as well. You just need to go to Mosaic NWA family resource page. And there are all kinds of resources and tools for you to use as you continue to disciple your kiddos at home. And we hope that it blesses you. So we have been walking through our Advent series the last couple weeks and tonight, we're gonna to be focusing on love. We're gonna be lighting the love candle later in the service. And I was thinking about this service, praying through, and over and over, a very familiar verse kept coming to my heart. And we're gonna throw it up on the screen here, and I'd love for us to read this together. Um, a lot of you probably are very familiar with this verse, John three sixteen. Maybe have it memorized. Tonight, in light of God's love, I want us to read this over each other. And my prayer is that we can hear it with fresh ears and with a fresh heart. And really, really embrace the depth of God's love for us. So will you read this with me tonight? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Wow, let that sink in for a minute. And let's pray. God, I stand in awe and wonder of your love for us. God, will you give us heart to to embrace the gift that you have given us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for making a way for us to be reconciled to you. Thank you for loving us more than we could ever imagine, God. Let us receive that love with open arms and open hearts. It's in your son, Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.
2: Be out My Vision,
3: but let's sing it together. Um, It's got some new lyrics that remind us
0: of how Jesus came humbly to earth for us. And so tonight, I wanna invite you to sing this song that's maybe new to you, but you know the
3: melody, and so let's sing it together.
0: Nice.
4: God, lover of our souls, we need you. We face the bitter cold of hurt and indifference in this life. Sometimes we can feel like we are alone in the wilderness in winter. Sometimes we can feel like the frost of trouble threatens to numb us. The advent of Christ renews our love. You have come, you are near to us. The Lord is bright like a flame that thaws tender hearts. Your love shines like a warm fireplace in a cozy living room. You arrive to bear the coldest bitterness on the cross for us. King Jesus loves true light. Thank you for coming. You are our love.
2: Welcome, Mosaic, into our home. Uh, Truly is a a privilege to have you here during this time of social distancing. uh, I'm sure that this is the most people we'll have in our home during this holiday season. But it's our hope and our prayer for all of you that through all the challenges we face these days, uh, whether that be physical, emotional, financial, or spiritual, that we might all um, be able to focus to make room in our hearts and our minds for the presence of the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ, God with us. Hear now from the word of the Lord. It was
1: just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end.
2: A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. John 13, 1 and 34 through 35. May the love of Christ be with you, Mosaic.
3: From the Jesus Storybook Bible. God wrote, I love you. He wrote it in the sky and on the earth and under the sea. He wrote his message everywhere because God created everything in his world to reflect him like a mirror, to show us what he is like, to help us know him, to make our hearts sing the way a kitten chases her tail, the way red poppies grow wild, the way a dolphin swims. And God put it into words, too, and wrote it in a book called the Bible. And the Bible is, most of all, a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is, it's true. There's lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and how he comes to rescue them. Welcome, Mosaic. It's been a month in Advent. It's been a month talking about So many rich, so many good things. Last week, uh, we covered from from the Advent candle, we talked about joy. You remember? We put up there a funnel and talking about this kind of upward, inward, outward uh, outline of the funnel and, and, and upward that our joy would be made full. Our joy would be complete because it is God's joy in us leading to an inward that we would abide in Christ, that Christ's word would abide in us, that we could ask anything in His name and He'll do it. To things like bearing fruit, things like obeying His commands, which leads us in tonight's text. And I feel compelled to ask, How is your week? The closing question that we finished last week on joy was How is your soul and where is your joy? And I know I caught myself a few times this week in points of despair, points again of feeling lost or hurt or lonely. And in those moments, I had a, a, an obedience choice. Would I allow God's word to abide in me? Would I ask once again in faith, believing that he would meet me there? There's a few moments where we where I was hurting, and I felt like the Lord rekindling the fire of my soul, stoking the ashes and the embers back to, to a love for him. And so tonight, just to, just to stay in the visual picture, uh, we're gonna move from a funnel to Legos. Now, is there kids in the room? I just heard an amen. I think that was an amen and now a flex. Thank you. There's some kids in the room that love Legos, Yes? Yes, yes, yes. In fact, I asked my oldest, my nine-year-old, he knows that I love to use a good mug to preach with, and he said, Dad, can I decorate your Lego mug for the sermon? And I said, Levi, I don't even have to pray about that. And so this is his Santa rendition. What do you think? Yeah, I thought so too. His Santa rendition of Legos. Now I have some theories about Legos. I think there's three uh, critical pieces of Legos. and kids, if you're writing this down, write this on your little worksheet, because this is going to apply to where we're going tonight. There's three critical pieces of Legos. And I call them the three B's. There's the base, there's the bricks, and there's the bling. Same with me. There's the base. That's the foundation that Legos don't slip. It has to be locked in and secure. You have to know where is your base. There's the bricks. There's not, nothing all really pretty about the bricks. But the bricks are critical to build us where we want to end up the beauty of the end product. And there's the, my favorite one. Okay, clearly it didn't sink in. Let's say it one more time. There's the base, there's the bricks, and there's the... Bling, and I, and it's true. There's the bling. There's just the the creative piece. When I get home and I say, Levi or Natalie, what'd you do today? And he walks up the stairs and he's like, "Huh, eh, I just built an attack helicopter." This is the bling of Legos. This is the fun. This is the beauty. This is the creativity where our personalities come out in the unique ways that God designed us as creative beings comes. And and I see some similarities in the text. And so we're gonna build this text, this part two from John 15, this beautiful passage of scripture dealing with the state of our souls. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 15. Last week we did uh, up to verse 11 on joy. This week we're gonna pick up verses 12 to 17. Let me read it. It says this, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So let's build this Lego tower, let's see where God takes us. To this beautiful text. First, the foundation, the base of it all, the first sentence of our text, here is your command, and let's call it this, an overflow of love an overflow of love. You've gotten familiar with this word. We've used it every single week of Advent from, from the Romans 15, 13 introduction where a God of hope gives you hope. He fills you with hope that you'd overflow with hope. The God of peace sends his son Jesus to be our peace that we would have peace. The God of joy who's full of joy gives you your joy that your joy may be complete. And tonight, 1 John 4 says that God's not just in the, the love business. He doesn't just grade on a curve and so get a good B plus on the, in the love department. No, First John 4 says, God is love. From the Old Testament, one of the, the most critical words, uh, 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 the story arch words that really describes who God is is the, is the Hebrew word hesed. It means his steadfast His everlasting, his eternal love that will never end. It will never change. It is certain. It is personal. It is real. If you're a fan of this Jesus Storybook Bible, I suggest you go back to it and through the pages. Here's the definition of love that the author uses again and again and again. God loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever Love. It was fun reading that and hearing, watching some of you actually bob your head. You know these words. Never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That's God's love of you and of me. And this is our base. Our commandment is to believe in the love of God well before we would overflow that love onto others. And it's a grace gift, that he doesn't just leave us there with the definition. He actually gives us some practicalities. It says this in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now in the timeline of this big rescue story, the timeline that John is writing this, there's no Easter yet. Now, post-Easter, we're going to look at Jesus on the cross and see love personified, exemplified to the ultimate extremes. But at this point, there's no Easter yet. So we point from this point, we look back to the Christmas story. Jesus leaves his home, leaves his family, leaves his comfort for the ultimate display of love and that is to enter our mess. I love how John 1 in the message says it, to move in to the neighborhood. Picture Jesus right now. Whatever you call your neighborhood, where you walk, where you know people, where you connect, Jesus moving in with a mission of restoration, restoring your neighborhood. That is the kind of love he is displaying for us. A death to life, an old to new, a light into the darkness kind of love. And here's our response. Here's how we take that model of love and overflow it. Ready? The Christian loves when they give their life away. The follower of Jesus shows a said a steadfast love when they give their life away. In a million big and a million small ways, daily opportunities to literally lay down your preferences, lay down your privileges, lay down your desires that others would just get a whiff of the overflowing supernatural love of God. That's the base. That's the commandment to love. But it goes on from here. Here's the bricks. We go from commandment to identity. The brick by brick building blocks of the Christian life. That we're no longer servants. No, our identity statement actually changes. It's not who we were. It's who we become because of that love of God. And here's who we become. Because a servant does not know what the master is doing. Now I have called you friend. Everything that I've heard from the Father, I've made known to you my friends. There's a uh, song from the early 2000s. You might remember it. It goes like this. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. You call me friend. And then it repeats it 37 times. You remember that song? Why do you think it repeats it so much? Is it because the songwriter was just lacked creativity? Or was it because we need that reminder? We need it like a beating drum to just actually reverberate into our soul to remind us. God calls you and I friend. So here's a question. How often have you asked? Oh, if I just knew what God was up to, I would respond. If I only knew, I would obey. Well, guess what? Not only do you know, but you're not in that out club anymore. There's no secrets as a friend of God, as an in-club member, because you are a friend. He calls you friend. He knows you. He loves you. He gets you. He wants you. And then as a culminating truth to double it all down, verse 16, he chooses you. He enters your world, he moves into your neighborhood, he knows your goods, he knows your bads, and he still chooses you. Before you let your mind slip down any kind of rabbit trails of theological positions, what does that mean in like the free will department or this or that or all those kind of things? Let me just, let me just halt you there and keep you in a, in a posture of like mind-exploding wow. That God chooses you. When the text says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, it says that our story with God did not begin with us, with our original or great idea, our decision to turn our life around. There is an origin story, and that origin is God. Sometimes we feel like for God to be at the beginning, somehow it limits or hinders a love story, but it doesn't. The fact that God shows you first, that he hooks his loving arms around you and draws you into him, into his embrace, truly is beyond comprehension. And the Christian response, a call to friend is an incarnational call to the wholeness of another person over the long haul. Let me share with you how I kind of processed this in my mind and then I want to read that definition one more time. Uh, my sweet, beautiful, godly, and wonderful wife, Martha and I, we had an argument for a good 10 years. Now I know none of you would say that you've had that before. Um, and and I, I, would, I would be paused to call it a fight. It was more like an opportunity for a husband to trust the Lord, right? And it was this, I don't like doing dishes. I don't like cleaning them. I don't like how they smell. I don't like the sound of the motor when you get all the gunk all down there. I don't like picking that stuff up that doesn't go down there. I doesn't like that, that, that inevitably half of the water ends up in my lap. Am I doing it wrong? I think so. And I don't like the fact that even I want to do dishes because she knows that I don't like to do them. I'm doing her because I love her, Rodney. I'm just, I just want to serve her. And she says for 10 years, she said it. Matt, I want you to want to do the dishes. Shh. There's no amens for that phrase. I want you to want to do them. Friends, here's something that I learned. Because I love my wife. Because I want to move towards my life, my wife. Because I want to love the things that she loves. Because I want the things that she wants. The most genuine and perfect example of the love of God, the most genuine and perfect example of truly loving my wife is to meet her in this space and grow in the aspect of wanting to want what she wants. And I think it's the same way with God. I think it's the same way with God. A call to friend is an incarnational call to the wholeness of a person over a long haul. Here's the third part. So we talked brick, we talked, or we talked base, we talked uh, bricks, now we talk bling. The purpose, verse 16, is here that he has appointed you. Not only has he chosen you, but he has appointed you. What does that mean? One of my favorite prophets, I feel like I quote him all the time, is Jeremiah. Jeremiah says in, in his first chapter, this stuttering, blubbering young fool who doesn't know what he's doing, God plucks him out and puts him in a position, but affirms his soul with words like, I formed you, I knew you, I set you apart, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Let me just see if this sounds familiar as God is speaking to us, 15, 16 from John, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. We live with the same calling of appointment in this grand narrative of love as even the prophet Jeremiah. And I'll reply to that so often, it's not that original. If you go back and read Jeremiah 1, he was nervous, he was scared, he asked for a pass. I'm too young. I don't know. I'm not educated enough. I don't have the skill set or the experience. It sounds familiar as we think about God appointing us to love like he loves. I'm not educated enough. I'm not confident enough. I'm too young. I'm too old. It's not safe. It's not normal. It's not comfortable. There's no time There's no time to love others like he loves me. But the overflow, remember what we talked about joy, place that this passage takes us the same principles of joy that we would abide in Christ, that we would ask, that we would bear fruit as we would be kind and attuned to our own soul. Now he appoints us to go. And in going, that we would be kind and attuned to the souls of others. That our abiding, that our asking would be a part of our going. That our bearing fruit would be for the world to witness. See, Advent as a whole, we've talked hope, we've talked peace, we've talked joy. I think all of these are fantastic and perfect responders to a wondering and questioning world. I mean, amidst a pandemic, people should be looking at the way you're responding to crisis and say, I'm confused. Why are you so joyful? I don't get why your posture is still one of hope. You seem so calm, which is just peace with quotation marks. What's going on with you? But love takes us from responsive to offensive. There's no hint of check the box in love's ecosystem. There's no checking the box for Christmas cheer in the grand landscape of overflowing with love to the world. This genuine incarnational love embodies his genuine and incarnational love for us. It doesn't just acknowledge need, it moves into the gaps of needs, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beautiful rescue story that God saves you and me through Jesus from our sin. And then we kind of have a, uh, a plane landing. Some of you have never been in a plane before, but those who have, maybe you've had the great privilege of looking out and seeing your city and you're about to land and you start to breathe a little easier and all of a sudden one wheel hits first. Have you had that? And the whole plane goes, and your soul is jolted like, oh, that was close. Have you had that happen before? It's scary. I feel that way a little bit as we're kind of landing the plane on this text because we've talked, we've talked base, we've talked bricks, we've talked bling, we've gone from commandments to identity to purpose. And then all of a sudden he says this, and all of this that I've given you, I've given it to you so that you will love. And I'm confused by this. I literally, it was like a stopping moment in my studies. Wait a second. His very initial commandment was to love one another. Why would it be that he gives us commandment, identity, purpose, and then says, and I've given you all this so that you will love. The only thing that I can wrap my mind around is, in Christ, when our mind considers and starts to believe what love is, how our identity changes, we actually step in and live with the beauty and the creative opportunity of being appointed to something, of creating something out of nothing with our our jobs and our lives and our, our positions in this world, that our DNA, our spiritual soul DNA actually shifts so that it's not just out of the like work harder, get more, do more kind of love. It's actually a love that he has loved us with. We are able to overflow in love. Friends, our world is cringing. It's dying, isn't it? And it is the love of Jesus that will save it. And he says he loves you like a friend. So much so that he wants you to love those around you like he loves you. He wants you to lay down your life like he did for you. He wants you to choose others like he chose you. Because when we want what he wants and we love what he loves, we are loving him like He loves us. Each week we've had the privilege of taking communion together. We're gonna do it as a last time for Advent. Uh, and I want you to take it and, and, and we're gonna take we're gonna hold it together. So you be the one to judge if you wanna pop the top on the, 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 the plastic top or not yet. But I want you to take it, I want your mind in a space as we sing about the light of Jesus that penetrates the world. And how in John 1, it reflects that that love is the embodiment of this this grand theme. You know, John is not a typical Advent gospel. It's the only gospel that doesn't have the birth account in it. But it's the gospel that relays and talks about what is life. The truest of life, the truest of hope, truest of joy, peace, and finally love that is found only in Jesus' name. It's a life that we celebrate in the bread and in the cup. And so as you bow your heads for just a moment and consider how's your soul, where are you at? As you let your your, your mind be blown by the love of God for you, hold the bread, hold the cup. Say, Jesus, what do you have for me? What's next in this grand rescue story of following you loving others as you've loved You know, for all of the hope, joy, peace, and love that John talks about, it's throughout the entire book. One of the most painful parts is in John five. He says, but those who did not come to me to find life. He's talking about the religious. Friends, we have access to be filled with never ending, never giving up, always satisfying, always present, never changing love of Jesus to fill us that we may overflow in the world. So let's together just as just as bread and cup gives life to our bodies and gives us another day to move and live and breathe. We put our trust in Jesus that he fills us through his sacrifice that we may overflow in the world. Take in remembrance of him. Hey, I want to lead you with a discussion question as you walk from here. Based on this truth that love gives its life away, think for a moment. Here's the Christian's response. Who in your sphere of influence is God nudging you to love purposefully? Who is, what face is he putting on your mind right now to show the never-ending, never-giving-up, steadfast love of the Lord to and I challenge you to move towards them, to enter their neighborhood, to enter their mess with the love of Jesus. Let's pray to that end, reading this beautiful poem together as a benediction. Read with me. Tis not that I did choose thee for Lord that could not be. This heart would still refuse thee hadst thou not chosen me. My heart owns none before thee. For thy rich grace I thirst, this knowing, if I love thee, thou must have loved me first. Mosaic, you are deeply loved by God, you are deeply loved by us. Our prayer is that you would have a love-filled, love-overflowing week as you celebrate in this holiday season. Before you're dismissed, just me, let me just remind you, uh, Christmas Eve services are virtual this year. They're gonna be a blast. Pick a time, they go live at 6 a.m. You can tune in any time of the day as a family to celebrate together. And then we will be back with you right here December 26th for two services. We love you so much. Merry Christmas and enjoy your Sabbath.